0: never runs out on me your love never fails and never gives up never runs out on me
1: your love hallelujah jesus god we are so thankful today god that your love it never fails god it never gives up it never runs out oh god we can't earn it we can't choose it and we certainly can't lose it, God, and we are so thankful, God, that so many things in this life are conditional, God. Love is conditional on this, on this earth, God. People are conditional, God, but you are an unconditional God who just loves his children, who loves his people. And I just pray, God, that those who need some extra faith in this place where maybe their faith has been squashed by the people around them, by situations and circumstances that are outside of their control today, God, I pray that they would understand that your love, it never fails and it never gives up. And you are always pursuing us, Lord, a deeper relationship with us, oh God. Oh, Jesus, we go- God, we just love you. Mm. God, I just pray that you would minister to those here in this place right now. And we're going to sing this next song, and even though it says that we wait for him to step into the room, we already know that he's here but sometimes our hearts have to get in the right place. So I just pray that, that you would take the words of this song and apply them to your life as you wait for him and as you seek him and as you pursue him. Remember that he is a God who wants to be pursued just like you want to be pursued in a relationship. So does he. This is a real relationship with the Lord. wee
2: Because you are worthy today. You are worthy of our lives lived for you. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our adoration. Church, I want us to draw attention today to our nation and where we are in relationship to God. I want us to understand that we must be desperate for God to move on our land. Because with all the tragedies that we see happening in the news, day after day, just what happened in Oregon... That's what it looks like when the hand of God has moved off of our nation, off of our land. We must plead with Jesus to come back to America again. Our hearts must cry out, God bless America again as we bless you, God. So if you're in this place, I want you to lift up your hands all across this room. As Jerry sings again this song in just a little bit, releasing the fullness of his glory. We must want to see his glory in our city, in our college campuses, in our high schools. Come on. Do I have a hungry people this afternoon who want to seek God, who want to seek his fullness? When he moves, you want to move. When he speaks, you want him to speak more. Come on. Lift up your hands. Let's sing this is the sickness over Chicago, the sickness over America, and every college campus and every high school, Chicana Glory Fall. Woo, come on, release your fullness, God. want to see you exalted again in our nation, oh God. Yes. I pray for the grieving parents, the grieving friends in the community in Oregon your spirit be with them. Be with us here in Chicago as we win our friends and our neighbors to you Lord and all the violence that we see here. We want to see you move in glory. We want to see you move in power in our midst oh God. When you speak we want more. When you move we want more. I pray for a hungry hearts to arise oh God. Be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus name and everybody said amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Come on. He is worthy. Yes. Look to your neighbor say, he is worthy. As you find your way back to your seat. At this time, our ushers are going to pass out the elements of communion. For those that may not know who I am, my name is Nancy Wairosik. I'm one of the apostolic elders here, and I'm going to preach the gospel to you today. And the reason why we take communion on the first Sunday of every month, it's because this is a practice, an ordinance that we partake of, remember the Lord in. It's a symbolic way of remembering his death, burial, and resurrection and what Jesus did for us on the cross. And that's why we do do it as a church family. My message this morning is going to be from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 15. It's for those of you in this place who are not living right for God. You're not born again. You have either once were or you have backslidden or you're just living for yourself. You don't want anything to do with God. This message is for you. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.15, and he died for all. This is talking about Jesus. And he died for all that those who live. How many living people are in this room? Come on, raise your hand if you are living. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So the Bible teaches us that for those of us who are living We shouldn't live for ourselves anymore, but we should live for Jesus because he died for all of mankind. He died for our sins, our sicknesses, and our sorrows. And unless we receive his free gift of salvation, unless we accept and allow the blood of Jesus to wash us clean, we will never make it to heaven on our own merit. We cannot pass through this life without being born again, without allowing the blood of Jesus to cover us and make it to heaven. We will either go to hell or heaven, and the only way to heaven is through Jesus, choosing to not live for yourself anymore. And I want to read you this statement because I feel like it, it puts it so perfectly. Jesus came to set us free. Slavery to sin and self has ended when you accept Jesus. Slavery to your sin and to yourself has ended. While devotion to Christ and to his church has begun. With all eyes closed all across this room, you know if God is trying to get a hold of you. You know if you're not right with God. I want you to pray when I begin to pray. And I want you to confess your sins to Jesus and allow him to make you new. He wants to set you free from your life of sin. He wants to set you free from yourself. And the Bible says that we shouldn't live for ourselves anymore, but for the one who died for us. Allowing the blood of Jesus to wash us clean. God, I thank you for every single person in this room. I ask, O oh Lord, that you would have mercy today on those that have rejected you, on the ones that are not living according to your commands. Let today be the day of their salvation. Your word teaches that it is your loving kindness that draws all men unto repentance, O oh God. God, I pray that you would stretch forth your hand to save. In Jesus' name, when everybody said amen and amen, if you could please stand up to your feet with me. If I can get a little communion cup prepared as well so I can partake with the church. Thank you, brother. If you met business with Jesus and you want to get your life right, I want you to come up for prayer. We're going to have our two prayer workers right here. They're going to make their way up. During the fellowship time, these prayer workers are going to pray with you. And I want you to ask them, how do I get plugged into church? How do I get plugged into the discipleship? I want to read to you from Matthew 26 chapter chapter 26 verse 26 through 29. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, "Take and eat. This is my body." Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, "Drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's partake of the wafer in just a moment. I'm going to pray if we could just get it ready. Lord, we thank you for your body, this wafer that represents your body that was beaten and bruised for us, that was nailed to a cross for our transgressions. You paid the price. Jesus, that we could not pay, and we thank you, and we remember you, God. Until you come back to take us to be with you, we remember you, and we say thank you for your sacrifice. Let's partake of the wafer together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray for this grape juice that represents your blood. We thank you for the blood that you shed for the salvation of all mankind. It is only by your blood that forgiveness is given. And I thank you that it covers us. It washes us clean. It heals us. It brings healing to our body. And Jesus, we remember you, your great sacrifice, your death, burial, and resurrection in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the grape juice together. Hallelujah. Let's join jerry as she leads us in a chorus of praise search your hearts and say thank you to jesus thank him for what he's done we are his he is ours he's called us into relationship again god we thank you for your blood we thank you for the cross our hands Love all across this place.
0: Set me free.
2: Love set us free. so much for this time of praise and worship this time of communion where we can get together as a body of christ to remember you jesus we love you we honor you we adore you we bless your name in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen and amen give the lord a hand clap of praise one more time because he is worthy praise the lord if you could stay remain standing to your feet we're going to confess our confession of faith don't get tired on me come on you guys had slept in you guys already probably had lunch don't get sleepy come on you guys should be excited this is the fun service right 1 p.m full of life and excitement full bellies full of sleep come on let's confess this on the count of three this is our christian worldview we confess this together week after week because this is what we believe this is the lens in which we see our world on the count of three one two three i believe in one god and creator who is the father son and the holy spirit the father who so loved the world the son who purchased my salvation in his death burial and resurrection and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus, the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone and Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on, get excited. Meet somebody that you don't know, have some time fellowshipping.
3: Salvation sounds a new beginning As distant hearts begin
2: today. Come on, make some noise. We are so pumped that you came to the 1 p.m. service. On behalf of all the leaders, thank you for coming. Keep on coming back and keep inviting your friends and your family. Welcome to Metro Praise. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. and then Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. They're rocking it out for Jesus. They are doing awesome. We want you guys to join us for our All Nations Dinner that is happening Sunday, November 15th at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. for both of our services. So if you wanna throw down with some of your ethnic food, represent your culture, your nation, your gente, do that on that Sunday. We wanna have everybody's dishes represented here. It's gonna be a great time. And please on Facebook, Follow the All Nations Dinner event page for any updates and more information, especially as it comes closer, because we're really excited about that. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. Look to your neighbor. Say, love God. Look to your other neighbor. Say, loving people. And then our discipleship strategy here is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. Somebody say connect. I want you guys to wave your hand out up in the air. Come on, nice and loud, nice and big. Say, this is the new one take a look at it. Look at all the details. This is our new quarter schedule of life groups for October, November, and December. You'll notice a new one there in the ministry base. So we have our life groups divided in half, ministry base and special needs base. Take a look at the times, the dates that will meet the needs of your family. We also have a video that we want to present to you guys as they get that ready. We wanted to let you guys know of all the pastors and leaders that are leading these up and here's a snapshot of them welcoming you to their life group. Hey everyone, we would like to let you guys know about our MPI life group starting this new quarter. We're really excited about them and we would love for you guys to connect.
4: Life groups are a part of our connect phase. I know you've heard about connect mentor send. Will connect is how we get closer to God and grow in our relationship with Him. And life groups are a perfect place to do that. It even says it in the name, life groups. You get life in the group. God said wherever two or more are gathered together in Jesus' name, He's there. I hope that you find one or many of these life groups that apply to your life, and you get involved this quarter and watch what God will do. We're so excited to see what He's going to do in your life. Hey,
1: we're Ricky and Rachel, and we lead the Marriage Life Group. We're going to be meeting at our house every Thursday Sunday of the month at 5 o'clock, and we're going to be talking about marriage and finances. You're not going
2: to want to miss this because we have a special speaker and a romantical Christmas in December. So bring the kids if you need childcare and check us out. Hi, everyone. This is Pastor Susie, and I'd like to invite all the parents to bring their children to the church Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We have Christian Boys and Girls Clubs, which are Royal Rangers and Impact,
1: and it's for children who are newborn up to fifth grade.
4: Hi, I'm Pastor Berto, along with my wife here, Griselda, and we would love to invite you to our adult Bible study. It takes place every Friday at 7 p.m.
2: Come join us. We have a time of worship, word, and fellowship. We would love to have you there, and we also have child care provided. Hi, we're Steven and Carmen Ramos, and we host Righteously Redeemed every first and third Wednesday, ages 11 to 18, at our home.
4: 6 p.m. come over for fellowship and some food, 6.30 receive a word, by 7.30 we're fellowshipping again and having a good time for Jesus Christ. Hey, what's up everybody? My name is Lawrence, this is Stephanie, we're the leaders of the Resistance Life Group. We meet up every first and third Tuesday at 6 p.m. right here at the church.
1: We want to invite youth ages 11 and 18 come to know and love Christ and love God, love people.
4: Hey, it's Jared here. I want to invite you out to the Evangelism Life Group. We meet here at the church every Saturday at 5 p.m. This is a great time to learn how to share your faith with boldness and clarity with some real hands-on experience. Come see us. This is Stephen Ramos, and I lead the gang ministry on Thursdays at 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. We go out, hit the streets, looking for gang members, man, to save for Jesus.
2: Hey guys, I'm Elliot. This is Cynthia. We're leading the Singles Life Group, which meets the first Sunday of every month at 4 p.m. here at the church. Check us out on Facebook. Come hang out with us while we have Thanksgiving dinners, we have a corn maze coming up, and some ice skating. Hope to see you there. Hi, my name is Pastor Lauren. This is Cynthia Rodan, and
1: we are the leaders of the Single Moms Life Group. We meet every other Sunday at 5 p.m. Childcare care is always provided, and check us out on Facebook.
3: We get into the Word, we fellowship, come be a part of what God is doing in our life groups.
1: Hey everyone, this is Rudy and Nicole, we lead the Ambassadors Youth Life Group that meets every first and third Saturday of the month at 3 p.m. at MPI Church. Yeah, so if you're between the ages of 11 and 18, we would like you to join us, especially during our series right now, Learning Who You Are in Christ.
2: Be there.
4: Hey, it's Pastor Jared and Susie Walker. We want to invite you to our house every Friday at 7 p.m. for a Bible study. We pray, get in the Word, have a lot of fun, and usually there's some good food to eat there as well. Just saying... Uh, Come see us.
2: Can't wait to see you there. All right, all right. Let's give it up for our life group leaders. Come on. So here's a snapshot of what's happening this week. So we really want you guys to connect. Find a life group that's going to meet the needs of your family. So tonight we're kicking it off with our single men and women. They're meeting here at the church at 4 p.m. Ages 18 to 35. If you are single, if you are in that age group, you have got to go out with them today. So meet here at 4 Tuesday, the Resistance Life Group, Elevate Life Group 11 to 18, meeting at the church at 6 p.m. Somebody's excited, come on. Wednesday, Righteously Redeemed, Elevate Life Group 11 to 18, 6 p.m. at that address. Wednesday every week is for our King's Kids, infant to 11 years old, 6 30. Drop them off at the church, then pick them up at 8. Thursday, we have the gang outreach every week. 18 years old and up, 7 p.m., meet that at, at that address. They're blowing it up for Jesus on those streets. And then every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies. One is at the Govea's house, the other one at the Walker's, 18 years and up, child care included, 7 p.m. And then Saturday, our evangelism is meeting here at the church at 5 p.m. All ages are welcome, and they're hitting the streets to share their faith about Jesus. Who's excited? Come on. And then we want to mentor you. Say Mentor. We have the 101 book. Leaders are ready to take you through this book called Welcome to Your New Life so they can disciple you and uh, join you on this journey as you grow in the Lord. And then when you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class disciples that make disciples, where your discipleship journey will continue and will train you and raise you up to be a leader in the church. Then we want to send you out to keep winning more people for the Lord. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you want to be a part of that, say amen. Because we don't say it just to say it. We say it because we know it's going to happen. And it's going to take every single person to get a part of the vision and do what God wants to do in Chicago. At this time, we're going to be turning our attention to the Disciples Giving Book Lesson. We're on Section 3 of the book, which is about stewardship. Today is Lesson 12, Stewards Should Be Debt-Free. We're going to be reading from Romans 13, 8. You can follow along on the screen, or if you'd like to go to the website, it's, just, it's givingbook.org. And we have a lesson for every week of the year. Here's the definition of stewardship. Stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. So that's what we've been learning for the past several weeks, being wise managers and stewards of what God has given to us. So let's read in Romans thirteen eight. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. How many of you guys believe if more people applied this on our planet, we would live in a much safer place, especially with all the violence that we see? We have an outstanding debt to love everybody. And if we love people, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. So let's uh, learn about three main points of that verse and how it applies to our personal life and our finances. Number one, no debt remain outstanding, though there are times when Christians may get loans for cars, houses and their businesses, which is good debt. They should always pay the debt on time and set the goal to pay it off completely. That's just a lesson of responsibility. Number two, no debt. Ideally, the Christian should pay off all their credit card debt monthly and live interest-free because their income and savings provides for everything they need. Otherwise, they may become a slave to the lender, which is considered bad debt. And that's what it says in Proverbs 22.7. We don't want to be a slave to the person who's borrowing us the money. We want to be debt-free, live free from anybody's bondage to us, and honor God with our finances. Let's be responsible. And number three, always pay the debt of love. Instead of just focusing on paying back debt every month, stewards should aim to be debt-free. Unable able to focus on paying the debt of love to their fellow man. Imagine how much charitable work God's people could do just off the interest they would save living debt-free. So let's love others through our actions and being generous and giving. Here's a summary. Avoid bad debt and pay off good debt in a responsible way. Let's apply this to our lives in three ways. Number one. Be faithful in giving your tithe 10% of your total income and your offerings, anything you give after the tithe. Number two, be wise in how you acquire debt for things, such as your house, your car, your business. Let's use wisdom and counsel. Number three, avoid bad debt in the form of high-interest credit cards so you can live a generous life of love. If you want to do that, let's recite this together over our life that confesses. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If you want that, stand up to your feet with me, please, today. As we prepare to give the Lord our very best, our tithes, and our offerings, Again, MPI believes that a tithe is 10% of your total income. An offering is an amount above that, given regularly to the church, an amount that is between you and the Lord, which we designate towards missions and our building fund. And currently we are in a building fund to raise monies for the Metro Praise International Church sign to go across the storefront and give yourselves a hand clap because in September we raised $912. Come on. For a grand total thus far of $7,292. That is what God's people can do when we get together. So we have $2,208 left to finish off for the end of the year so we can get that sign on this building before it gets really, really dark in Chicago. Amen? Come on, we want to shine bright for Jesus in this neighborhood. We also have two other convenient ways for you to give or purchase items in the church with your debit or credit card. One is online at our easy to use website and the other is in the back with myself. You could see me if you have any questions after service. Let's recite this together. Luke 6:38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your great blessings, God, and your faithfulness to our lives. I pray that we would live debt-free, that we would be wise managers of all that you've given to us, that we would apply wisdom and be responsible to everything in our care. I pray that you would provide our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Open doors of employment for those that need it. Raises and promotions, God, let your favor and prosperity rest on your people as we remain faithful to the tithe and the offering. In Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen and amen. Come forward as you give uh, this afternoon, and thank you so much for your generosity.
4: Amen. How many are ready for the power? Somebody say amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. So good seeing everybody here today. We are going to be talking about the power of God as we learn about the kingdom of God. Everybody say the power of God is in the kingdom of God. Amen. Everything you need is in the kingdom of God. Think about it. Is there anything that God has to give you that is not in the kingdom? Think about it. Anything that God has to give you, is it outside of the kingdom? No. Everything that God has to give you is in the kingdom of God. So if we want the power of God, where is it at, y'all? And the kingdom of God. So we're in this sermon series, the kingdom of God. I'm going to ask that Steve would bring me back a stool. I think I'm going to sit down for the second service because we have a lot of new people here today. And I want to teach it and maybe preach it just a little bit. I know some of you all like it when I preach it. But right now i got to teach it a little bit because I see a lot of new faces here. Thank you. So let's give it up for Brother Steve holding it down. I told him that he could smile a little bit on the video. I don't think he was smiling enough, Carmen. What do you think? You know, even when he was doing the gang thing, he was like, we're reaching out to gangs. No, he needs to smile. We love gangs. Jesus loves gangs. They may think he's goofy, but he'll be like smiling for Jesus. Amen? How many of you are all happy right now? Amen? You smile when you're happy. But, Steve, you guys, see? look at him smiling, right? You smiling all the time. I think that's what made it so different. It's like, you, you weren't smiling. Like, I noticed you always smiling. Um, But we are going to just teach this and take our time. So all the messages from last month are on the website. All of the notes are there. The notes for this message are online as well, either at our Facebook page or at our website or just right up here on the screen, whatever works best for you. So we're going to get into it. Turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. We're talking about the power of God. One more time. Everybody say the power of God. Thank you. This is so important. I hope that you're excited to learn about it. Let's recite this together on the count of three. And by the way, let me just say this. Do you know why we recite so many things here? We recite a creed. We recite the offering pledge. We recite the scriptures in our time of sermon. You know why we do this? It's for the memory. It's for your memory so that your words can become ingrained into your thoughts as a thought pattern. It's not brainwashing. It's just establishing patterns. Any form of learning will require you to do repetition. I'm in a doctoral class. I'm reading a lot of books. I'm writing a lot of papers. And I still have to speak out loud to repeat things to remind myself of those things. So using your voice to teach yourself what is true is so helpful. Okay. So everybody on the count of three, let's pray the Our Father. One, two, three. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do you believe it? Say amen. Amen. Now look at this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What? in earth as it is in heaven. And so that's what we've been learning during this sermon series is heaven coming to earth. And how does heaven come in earth? Does heaven come in earth to a tree? Is heaven in this table? Is it in this cloth? No, heaven comes in us. Your body is made out of the dirt, the earth. And when God created us, what did he do? He breathed in you a piece of heaven, a piece of him, a part of him. Do you guys understand? He put his Spirit in you. Heaven is all about the presence of God. And when He made you of earth, He breathed a new life. So when we were in the Garden of Eden and we died, because the Bible says if you eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, you shall surely die, would die that day. That spirit man, because the Bible doesn't say Adam and Eve, the moment they eat the fruit, they died. like boom, just fell over. No, they died spiritually. So when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God coming in earth, he's talking about being born again, because he said in John 3, 3, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're what? Born again. When I'm born again, am I born again a fleshly body? No, I'm born again a new spiritual life. Everybody smile and say, spiritual life. That's what we're praying for. Thy kingdom come starting in me, Jesus, with the power of your Holy Spirit starting in me. And that's where we get to the definition of the kingdom of God. I revamped it a little bit last week, and I hope that you have... uh, I've uh, been learning from it. Let me just get my mouse. Where's the mouse? See, there it is. Look at this definition, the kingdom of God, what we're talking about here, Jesus' number one message. Let's just pause right here. If Jesus talked about something a whole lot, don't you think we should talk about it a whole lot? So when was the last time you talked about the kingdom? Just think about it. When was the last time I talked about the kingdom? Last Sunday in church? Come on, that's not what we should be doing. The kingdom should be in our mind at all times. The Bible said, seek first the kingdom. Didn't we learn about that last week? Seeking first the kingdom. So when you're waking up before you go to your job, uh, you know, you're starting Monday, you know, are you going to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done? You should, because how can you ask God's kingdom blessings to come unless you're seeking his kingdom? When you're having your family dinner today, whenever you go home and eat again, shouldn't you be talking about the kingdom? Shouldn't you say, Lord, bless this meal so that we can do good things for you and your kingdom, so that we can share your truth, preach your gospel, raise our children? See, it's all about the kingdom. If you're not kingdom-minded, you're not on what God's on. I want you all to understand this. I'm going to be a little sassy, but it's so true. If you're not in kingdom business, God's not on your business. You may say, well, you know, i got so much going on. No, 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 listen to me. If you're not on kingdom business, God's not on your business. But if you are on kingdom business, it doesn't matter what business you do, God is in your business. It doesn't matter if you're a janitor. It doesn't matter if you have a million dollars, a billion dollars, or two cents. If you are in the kingdom seeking God's righteousness, the Bible says he's right there with you. He's going to bless you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to take care of you. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we're talking about the number one message of Jesus, the kingdom of God. And it is the Father's dominion over all creation ruled by His Son and our King, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. So we have the Father. Who else do we have? The Son. And who else do we have? Holy Spirit. One more time. Who is this? Father. And what? Holy Spirit. Now think about this. God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are taught to pray to the Father in Jesus' name. The the Son is sitting next to the Father. He once was on earth, then he went back up to heaven. That's where he's at right now. And so when we pray to the Father in Jesus' name, Jesus sends us the Holy Spirit, to enact the kingdom of God. So do I have like a little baby Jesus living on the inside of me? When I say Jesus lives in my heart, do I have like Talladega nights like, oh, little baby Jesus living on the inside of me. Oh, sweet little baby Jesus, I pray you help me today. And is little baby Jesus like inside my heart dodging the capillaries and, you know, coming in and out of my arteries? No, when I say Jesus is in my heart, when I say Jesus is with me because I've been born again, I've repented of my sins, I've been saved what i'm saying is the holy spirit the holy spirit which is a spiritual being is inside my spiritual being i am not just a body with a little old spirit i am a big old spirit just living in a temporary body my body may die, but my spirit lives on. I may get into a car, but I'm not the car. I get out of the car. I just use the car. We're just using the body. The spirit is what is eternal and lives on. This body is temporary. The Holy Spirit is where your spirit is, and he is enacting the kingdom of God right now. And here's the thing. There are no neutrons in the gang terminology. There are nobody that can be neutral. If you are not in the kingdom of God, if you are not born again, if the spirit of God is not in you, you are on the side of Satan. That does not mean you're possessed by an evil spirit. It just means the Bible says that the kingdom of of this world is an action in your life, and the spirit of darkness is influencing you, speaking to you, leading and guiding you, giving you a worldview. Think of it like this: think of a worldview as the glasses on which you view the world. So, let's say I wake up this morning and I put on my worldview glasses, and homosexuality is not a sin, pornography is okay, violence is okay, uh, stealing from my job is okay. Where did I get that world? view? Where did I get those opinions from? Those came from the kingdom of darkness. That came from the Garden of Eden as one sign of disobedience. He said eat of this tree. Satan said eat of this. You won't die like God said. Lied to them. And then he said what will really happen is your eyes will open. You'll get a new perspective and you will be God. You will be like God. Now let me ask you a question. 6,000 years of human history man doing it with his own way, man seeing it his own way, the kingdom of darkness way. Have we seen heaven on earth or hell on earth? We've seen hell on earth. What do we see in Oregon? We see people putting on the glasses of the kingdom of darkness. What was Nazi Germany? Putting on kingdom of darkness. All of the violence, all the perversion. It's the kingdom of darkness. And you may say, well, I'm not as bad as all those people. Yes, but if you're not born again, you are still seeing things through the kingdom of darkness, the worldview of Satan and his perspective. And another way to look at it is like this. Let's say you don't even like a sport. Let's say you don't even like basketball. But you go to a Bulls game or you go to a high school game. It doesn't even matter. But you see these fanatical fans, right? You know, I've been to some of these high school games, and the parents are clapping, and they're shouting out. You know what you will feel? You will feel team spirit. You ever heard of that? Team spirit. You will feel the energy of those people cheering for their teams. And you may be like, I don't even care about this team. But you'll feel it, and then you know what you'll be tempted to do? You'll start cheering with them, and you don't even care. What have you been influenced by? the atmosphere of people who want to be about some type of business. They want to be about this game. Well, the same thing is, if you are not standing for God, you're going to fall for the tricks of the devil. You will be influenced by the spirit of Satan. You will be swept up in the excitement the devil has for his kingdom. So there are no neutral grounds. Excuse me. You're either serving God or serving the devil. You either have the spirit of life in you or the spirit of death. Now those who don't have the spirit of life, can be demon-possessed. And when we talk today about the power of God, we're going to be talking about demon possession. And I'm going to show you a video of me casting out demons in India. You're going to see some real things today. And so I'm going to preface some of that as we get ready. But I want you guys to open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 1, we're going to talk about the power of God. If God exists, then everything is possible according to his word. Think about that. So right now, I want to ask you to to open up your mind to believe what the Bible says. If God created water, couldn't he walk on water? If God created the sun, couldn't he hold it still for Joshua during the time of his battle? If God created the Red Sea, couldn't he split it for Moses? If God created bodies, couldn't he grow back limbs that were cut off, heal leper skin? Couldn't God do that if he created it? So the question is, do you believe in God? If you believe in God, then the stories of God's power in the Bible should not be hard for you to believe. If God, everything is possible. If there is no God, then we're all hopeless and life is meaningless. We've talked about that before in seeking first the kingdom. Don't have time to get into that, but I'm sticking with the belief that there is a God and that Jesus Christ raised from the dead and showed us he was the son of God. Now I want you to see what Jesus said before he went to the cross. Mark 9, 1, he said to them, talking to his disciples, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of what? of God has come with, now read this bold part again, they see that the, thank you, he was talking to some of his disciples, and he said, hey guys, you're not going to die, some of you are not going to die until you see the kingdom of God come in power, you're going to see it. Now, I want everybody to listen to me today. It's a shame that there's empty seats in this church, and I'm not mad at people who are not here. I'm just saying you don't understand. If what I'm telling you is true, this is the best place to be because we're talking about the God of the universe and his power. There should be no empty seat in any church. But the thing is people don't believe it, and because they don't believe it, they don't receive it. But I'm going to show you today. And matter of fact, I'll just give you a little head preview. I took four hours yesterday to write out the experiences that I've had in Christianity in 20 years. I've been a Christian for 20 years, and I wanted to write out, we'll watch this video here in just a little bit, but I wanted to write out the experiences of God's power that I have had. Look at this right here demons being cast out. Do you know that in my 20 years of serving Jesus, I have had, what is it, eight? No know, nine experiences with seeing demons cast out. So you have a choice whether or not you're going to believe the video I'm going to show you. It's up to you. But I've seen it nine different times. So Halloween, everybody's dressing up scary. Everybody wants to make people scared and scream. Those things they're pretending to be, those evil spirits, scream when I come around because Jesus is with me. You'll hear the man screaming as I come around. The demon screamed just like it did with Jesus because I was there in the power of God. Now, you may say, Pastor, you don't look any different than anybody else. That's right. The power of God is not how we dress. It's not how we pretend to be religious. It's not about being a a priest with a big old cross. If God is real, then that means there's a devil because that explains evil in the world. And if the devil is real, that means God's more powerful than him, and we should have power over the devil. See, I'm talking right now, aren't I? You should take me serious. That's why there should be no empty seats in any church. Dreams. I've, I recorded here the dreams that I've seen and the things that have come about as because of them. I even list the witnesses, people that you can talk to and say, did a pastor come to you and say he had this dream and then did this happen? I named them. Same thing with the demons being cast out. Witnesses, visions. I list out to you one vision. Over 39 accounts in my personal life in 20 years, I've seen God move. Now, you divide that, and let's make it even 40. You divide that by 20, 40 experience. that's only about two a year. That is true. I don't see a lot. I haven't seen it every single day, but I've seen enough to know that God is so real, and His power is what we all need in our life today, and anybody who does not take God's power seriously is a fool. I'm telling you that right now. If there is no middle ground. If you're listening to me today, and you don't take it seriously, you're a fool, because if God is real, there is a heaven, there is a hell, hell. there are powers of darkness trying to destroy us, and you better make a decision of who you're going to live for, and then as a Christian, stop being a lukewarm, mediocre, mamsy-pamsy Christian. Be a Christian that makes a difference in somebody else's life. Each one of those times those demons were cast out of those nine different people, it made a great difference in their life. They were happy that I had the power of God because it set them free. They were happy for that, and you'll see how God called you to do the same thing. I talk about businesses. I talk about people getting married. These dream, uh, these words of wisdoms that I had. I talk about the word of knowledge. This police officer that I met who was telling me a lie. I talk about a pastor's son. All of these experiences. Talk about. Uh, um, a uh, vision that Rachel had of seeing an angel we'll, we'll, we could talk about that if we have time keys to a building prosperity and God's blessing talk about healing heat stroke and a uh, healing on a volleyball court. I've actually seen uh, more healings outside of church than I have in church. For some reason, I don't see a lot of healings in church. I think a lot of times people play games in church. They don't want to be real. But I've actually seen healings outside of church. But the greatest healing that I've seen in church, this is attested to by people in our church, there were five women that could not get pregnant. Three of them had miscarriages. Two of them had been continually trying and they could not get pregnant. When Brother Glenn was here, we prayed for five women, not six, five of them. All of them got pregnant without complications, delivered healthy babies within three months of each other. Now, don't you know you would be happy if you were that mother trying to get pregnant, that woman trying to get pregnant, miscarriages. You guys know what I'm talking about, how scary that can be. You want to talk about the odds of that happening? It would be impossible unless it would be a miracle. Five out of five? And not only do they all get pregnant eventually, they all get pregnant immediately and have babies within three months of each other. I have their names right there. All of them are in the church still except for Vanessa Vitale. She just moved to Florida, but many of you know her. Talked about the healed ears of a daughter that we had in our first service. Talked about a miraculous uh, a deliverance here. One time I was in a, a, on the highway driving and I saw the crash in front of me. And it was going to be a pile-up, you could just tell. And I slammed on my brakes, and I barely missed the car in front of me, so I didn't hit them. But I looked in my rearview mirror, and I could tell the car behind me was going to slam into me. It was so close. It was so fast. We were going 60, 70 miles an hour. I began to pray, speak in tongues, and the car skidded out and actually went around me, hit the car next to me, and the pile-up literally happened all around me. My car did not get touched. I went to church that night. Thomas Joseph was in the car with me as a witness. The ideas that we've seen of prophecy. Some of you guys know Steve. Do you guys know that May 9th, 2015, before Steve there in the back ever started the street ministry, we had that burning in Baltimore. I gave him a prophecy. I said, when you see the streets on fire in Baltimore and wonder what can be done. This is God speaking to him through me. I'm letting him know this May 9th. Have I not raised you up to be a voice calling my people back to them? to back back to me have I not called you to be a light that burns brighter than the fire of violence ask and I'll give the nations to you for the glory of my name and many other things and do you know that when he started the gang ministry within 30 days we were already connecting to the people who had been killed their families uh, connecting to major gang leaders and all of this happened as a result of the God God speaking the word being released um things about uh, violence and people coming to attack me. Do you know that two different times I have spoken in tongues? you know, you guys, how, how you hear tongues here? Two different times I have spoken in tongues and someone from another country understood what I said. The one particular that I actually had Glenn, who's also my friend, has been around, we, he wrote a testimony about it. The testimony that he wrote tells the story of that when I was in Bible college with him, we were in a prayer meeting, now speaking in tongues, there was an Indian man there from you know, India, I didn't know it. When I was speaking in tongues, he was mocking us, he was saying that stuff's not real. He then ran out the room, Glenn followed him, asked him why he ran out the room, and the reason why he had run out the room was because I was speaking in his language and telling him that the Holy Spirit was real. I never have learned the Indian language. When I was speaking in tongues, he understood me. As he was mocking me, making fun of me, God told him that it was real. Glenn writes the story even more in depth, but I mention it here. And then a second time, I had an intern from India. He was with me, and uh, we would pray in tongues. And uh, he said, there is a sentence when you're praying in tongues that, that is repetitive, and you keep saying, give us more fire, give us more fire. And I said, I've never learned your language. What are, what are the chances of that? And not only that. But I referenced this guy named Dr. Craig Keener who has studied the Pentecostal movement. Over 80% of Christians in the world, not Catholics, but 80% of evangelical Christians believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And one-third of them, 200 million, have reports of miracles just like I do. I have just scrolled through 39 of these altogether, And Craig Keener says on estimate right now there's 200 million people that say they have experienced the power of God and have seen a miracle upon your earth right now. Remember we talked about the kingdom invading the earth. Could it be right now that God is wanting to use people to bring forth his power? But the reason why it's not happening is because you don't believe. Because if God said, I will only use people to bring forth my power, ask yourself this question. As a person, have I been asking him to use me for his power? Why am I any different than you? Why have I seen demons cast out? Why have I had dreams and visions and they came true? How about this? You want to talk about a financial miracle? I have a financial miracle. Now let me, as I'm about ready to tell this financial miracle, some of you may fall into one of two categories. You may have been bamboozled by other churches, and so you may think that pastors are fake. So you look at me and you're like, man, this guy's fake. But here's the thing. If I take a diamond, put it on a photocopier, and then it out. Now you have a piece of paper that has a picture of a diamond. Does that mean if I hold this up and it's a fake, it's not a real, it's counterfeit, if I show you that, does that mean there's not a real diamond? No. See, the fakes don't discredit the real. The fakes just show you that there is something supernatural in the world and people fake it they pretend to do things. But as my testimony is to you, there's no faking with me. How about this? I had a man of God. He, was in my, uh, he came to preach in my church behind closed doors, not in front of anybody. I said, brother, God told me to give you $1,000. The moment I give him $1,000, he had no idea I was going to do that. The moment I give it to him, he says right back to me, he says, God told me you're going to get $10,000 in the next 30 days. Now, what does that sound like? That sounds like something like, send me $5, and I'll give you a prayer cloth. And then you put that prayer cloth with the holy water, sleep on the pillow, and then you're going to get $1,000. You see, that's a fake. That's a phony. And when you see this demon getting cast out, you might say, well, I've seen that before, and it's fake and phony. But I'm telling you, it was real. And I'll tell you the story when we get to it. But this was so real. There's nobody around. He didn't ask me for money. I gave him the money because the Lord told me to give him $1,000. Now, first of all, most of y'all couldn't even hear the Lord telling you that. You'd be like, I rebuke you, Satan. Get away from me. That ain't you, God. That ain't God telling me to do that. See, because most people aren't even talking to God. See, think about this. We're talking about the kingdom of God. Are y'all even listening to the king? Because the king is about his kingdom and he's about power. So I'm born again. I'm connected to heaven. I hear that thought. I give it to him. The man of God says right back to me. The Lord told me not to tell you, you're going to receive $10,000 in the next 30 days. There may be fakes. There may be phonies. But within two weeks, I received a check for $10,000 from a donor to our ministry. So you can say, I believe that or I don't believe that. How many of you like, like the power of God now? See, that got your attention, didn't it? You say, Pastor, that really happened? That absolutely happened. Have you ever asked me to ha- have you do that here? Has anybody here ever asked me to, has anybody here ever had me ask you to give me money and I said something would happen? Anybody? Come on, talk up. Yes or no? I've never asked any of you for mine. I never came to you and said, give me money. You'll get money. Have I ever done that? You know why? Because God hasn't told us that's to what we're supposed to do. But you see, this was a one-time situation. What do I think these fakes and phonies are doing? See, they're taking those situations and they're trying to sell it to everybody. That's not true for everybody. See, God just told me to give $1,000 in a closed room. And god he didn't tell this, this pastor didn't say that to everyone. God told him to say that to me. I could tell you right now about God speaking about a man's wife before he was ever married. I could tell you things about our Bible college. You know, our Bible college is based right now in California, but they used churches. At one time, they only had one campus. They only had one campus like a normal school. When I was with them right here in 1998, when I was with them, I said to them, God told me, God put it on my heart, that the Bible college should partner with churches so that the churches can have the ability to use the Bible college for God's glory. That was 1998. In 2008, ten years later, they started a cohort program, and we were the first one to join with them. Ten years for the word that God told me to say came true. Now ask yourself this question. Why is it I've seen the power of God and others haven't? Now let's get back to our sermon here. I have all these here for you to go back and look. I have the witnesses. Most of them have witnesses. My wife, other pastors. You can talk to these people. Now I want you to think about this as we get into this lesson on the power of God. Why is it it happens in some places and not others? Well, go to Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and I believe you're going to find out. In Mark 9, 1, Jesus said, some of you standing here will not taste death until you see the kingdom of God in power. Have you seen the kingdom of God in power? Hey, I'm asking, let's be real. Have you seen the kingdom of God come in power? I have. Have you? Now, for those of us that have, do you want to see more? I do. Those of you who haven't, do you want to see it? If God is real, do you want to see his power in your life? Do you want to see him bless you? Do you want to see him heal? Do you want to see him cast out spirits? Do you want to have him speak to you about the future? Doesn't God know the future? Remember, if God is real, then everything is possible according to him. He knows the future, doesn't he? Does God know who you ladies are going to marry? Wouldn't that be something if he told you? Yeah, yeah he does know, right? Wouldn't that be something if he told you? God told my dad who I was going to marry before I knew it. The moment my dad hugged Nancy, God told him that's going to be his wife. It wasn't until two years later that Nancy and I got married. And even for a short time when Nancy and I dated, I broke up with her, went back to my dad, and I said, Dad, what do you say about the word now? He said, Joe, I can't explain why you guys have broken up. I don't understand all that. But I will say this. God told me the moment I had never met her, but the moment I hugged her for the first time, God told me that's your wife. See what I'm saying? It matters, doesn't it? The power of God changes things. The power of God changes things. I believe today we have been so bamboozled by the devil. We have been so tricked to think that this world is all there is. And that's why there's so many people sick. That's why there's so many divorces. That's why there's so many people in sin because they don't want to humble themselves and take a seat in this chair right here and learn about the supernatural power of God. And the problem then is, is that The world suffers. When you don't know the power of God, not only do you suffer, but the people around you suffer. Parents, your children suffer. When I was on drugs, my mom would be told by God what I was doing, where I was doing it, and she would actually pray directly for me. And I could come back and testify to her after I got saved and say, This time, at this place, I was in this situation. And she would say, God was telling me about that. And I said, I even felt conviction of the Holy Spirit. Two different times I was supposed to die. Once when a gun was pulled on me, coming right towards my head. My friend doesn't even know to this day how he got up and got the gun out of the person's hand. He was on the couch. I was beating the guy up on the floor. It was at a party. We were all drunk. We didn't know the guy had a gun. But while he was on the floor, he was pulling the gun up towards my head. When I talked to my friend after, after. He said, I think an angel picked me up and put me there because I was so passed out. I didn't even know what you guys were doing. And before I knew it, I had a gun in my hand, the gun that guy was pulling on you. There was another time I was about ready to, uh, to pass out from doing too much crystal meth, and I could hear the guy's car that I was in. They were saying, if he passes out, put him on the side of the road because he may die. They had watched me do more drugs than they had done. It was heavy drugs with cocaine. I don't want to get into the details, but I heard them say while I was in the car, they said, if he passes out, you put him on the side of the road. We were out in the cornfields of Fort Wayne. I would have died. I remember just saying to myself, God, don't let me die here. And that goes back to my parents' prayers. The power of God is real. The power of God is real. As a matter of fact, since I'm talking about that, let me go back to one of these uh, these dreams that I had when I first got saved. Within the first week, you see, you have to understand, I was brought up in a Christian home, but I backslid when I was 11 years old, and I, from 11 to 18, I lived as wild as I possibly could have lived. Well, one time, um, let me back up and say this: when I when I was 18 years old, right before I got saved, I used to do a lot of hard drugs, and I would get so high. I would scare myself. Like I said, I don't want to get into what these things are because young people, it's bad stuff. But I would go to the mirror. So many times I would pass out and I wouldn't know where I was. But the times that I could get myself together, I would go to the mirror and I would look at myself. I would be so out of my mind on all these hallucinogenics, this hard stuff, and I would, I would say, I would say, God, I'll look at myself in the mirror. I'll say, God, if you're real, show me the devil because if there's evil, I know you're real. I don't know why I would say that, but that's just how I would talk because I would say, you know what, you probably won't show me yourself, but if you'll show me the devil, I'll believe and I'll come back to you. And I never saw the devil. But when I became a Christian that day, November 5th, you guys have heard that story. Well, that day I went home to a girl's house that I was living with that I wasn't married to, and I took out my Bible and I started reading it, and I started feeling evil spirits inside of me. This is the second part of the testimony I don't tell a lot because I don't want to scare people. And then I went to the mirror and I began to talk to myself and I began to see a dark cloud come over my face. And I just got really scared. I went back to my parents' house. You remember I was led to the Lord at my mother's kitchen table just a few hours earlier. But this is the second part of the testimony. I go back to my parents' house. My dad is home at this time. And I say, Mom, I think I have evil spirits on the inside of me. They then bring me to the, to the uh The living room couch, I get down and my dad starts rebuking the devil out of me. I don't hear anything or see anything, but I just know I'm delivered. I know I'm set free. I really felt God change me. That's why I never went back to sin. I never went back to that lifestyle. It's been 20 years now. It worked. I still have friends that are on drugs. Some of my friends have died, and now I'm set free. It's the power of God. Not 12 steps, one step. But now watch this. A few days later, a few days later, I'm dreaming. I'm in my parents' bedroom. I look at the mirror, I say that same crazy stuff that I used to say, but this time I see a real actual demon, so vivid I can remember it today. I cast it out. I say, "Go away in Jesus name." And then it goes outside into the win- outside uh, of the house, but the window in the bathroom, I can see him trying to get back in. And now as I look at him trying to get back in, he looked like a deformed version of me. And I at that moment I realized that all the evil that I was thinking was for my desire was really the devil's heart, the really the evil inside of me, this violence, this perversion, this, this way of living. And then I remember saying, get out of my life and never come back. And instantly everything went white, and I saw the glory of God. I didn't see God, but I saw the glory of God, which would probably be around his throne. And all I felt was just like that thunderous <laughs> in the glory of God. And I woke up, and I remember it to this day. And what does that mean? That reminded me that I was being influenced by evil spirits and that God had cast those out of my life. I could keep you here all day, but you see the problem isn't Uh, whether or not Joe, you know, the question isn't whether or not Joe has experienced things. The question is, have you experienced the power of God? Have you seen God come into your life? Because if he hasn't, then it's not only affecting you, it's affecting people around you. Now let's look at how Jesus said the power of God would come. This is Acts, Acts of the Apostles. This is what the disciples did after Jesus left. Well, here's the final things he says to them. On one occasion he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with what? Everybody say water. Thank you. But in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. So right here he says you're going to receive power, or rather you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit like how John baptized with water. How many of you have been baptized with water? But have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Some of you have. Those of you haven't, see, that's the key we're going to learn here. But check this out. As he's talking about this power of coming, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they now think it's the end of the world. So they say, when is the kingdom coming to earth? When is this actual kingdom coming? When are you going to rule and reign in Israel? They wanted God to destroy the world and establish the people of God. If that would have happened then, 2,000 years ago, there would only been about 10 million people in the kingdom of God. Now, 2,000 years later, because the gospel's been preached, there's billions of people. Are you with me? See, God had a plan for human history. So he was telling, telling them, it's not about when I come back and do all of this. But, everybody say but. But you will receive power now when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto where? The ends of the earth. Do you think from Jerusalem to here is the ends of the earth? It is. Literally, if you go to Jerusalem, to America, that's as far as you can go. It's literally, you can only travel about 9,000 miles in any direction from a point on the globe and be back at the same place. I think the whole circumference, find, no, never mind, but the circumference of the earth, if you just have a globe in front of you and you go from this direction or this direction, that's as far as you can go. Are you listening to me? I think it's 9,000 miles. You can be in any one place from any direction. It's a globe. The ends of the earth. Imagine being in Jerusalem way over there. This is as far as you could possibly think. This is it. We now see the whole world. This is part of the gospel. This is part of what we're supposed to be doing. So listen to me. If you're not getting filled with the Holy Spirit, having the power of God in you, and now wanting to preach to the rest of the world, to the rest of these places, if you go to joshuaproject.org, there's about 2 billion unreached people group in the 1040 window. Put it up for me, please, Steve. Most of this is Africa, Latin America, and Asia. And this is what we're doing. Remember, Matthew says that the end will not come until the gospel of the kingdom is preached to everybody. So these are the last places that the gospel needs to reach. Now Israel is just right over here. This is Israel. So that's what I'm saying to the ends of the earth is way over here. That's America. That's as far as you could possibly go. We have we have now gone in every direction and we now know where the last places we need to reach the northern uh, places of Africa where it's mostly Muslim, in the Middle East is Islam as well. India is Hindu and then to the communist nation of China and to the Vietnam and Laos and these communist nations here as well as North Korea. And we need to also go down to Indonesia and these different places here and the unreached people groups. Now, I want you to understand this. Put this together. It's so simple. Let me know when I can have it, sir. Go ahead and just move it so I can know where I'm at. Listen to me. Jesus said, some of you will not taste death until the power of God has come upon you. Thank you. Now, what does he say? The power will come. It will come when the Holy Spirit comes. Everybody take your time. Get it right now. Check it out. Mark 9-1. You will not taste death. Some of you will not taste death until you see the kingdom of God come with what? Power. And then this is the last thing he says in the book of Acts. He says, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the promise my Father has given you. In a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you will receive what? Power. So where does our power come from? Through Jesus from the Father. The Father, through Jesus, sends the Holy Spirit. That is how we have power. That's where it comes from. Now, Jesus... Obviously, couldn't promise that all those people would be alive. Some of them might die, die of cancer, die of accidental death, but he knew some of them, you'll be alive when this happens. That's what we call Pentecost. When you look at Acts chapter 2, you see what happens. Let's go there. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. You will see what happens when the Holy Spirit came on these disciples and the power of God was manifested. How many want to learn about the power of God? Amen. Two of you. How about the rest of you? Learn about the power of God. Now look at Acts chapter 2. Look at this. He said, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come. When When the Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from where? He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in. Okay, here it is. Do you get it now? This is the connection. We're praying the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. If we are to pray something from Jesus, do you think we'll get the answer? So if Jesus taught them to pray the kingdom come, don't you think the kingdom should come at some point? Here it comes. Here it's coming. It's coming from heaven. Think about that. The answer is coming. The Holy Spirit is bringing the kingdom upon the earth. Next week, if I have time, I'll talk to you about living in the kingdom with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom is not just the final judgment of God upon the earth. The kingdom of God is here now. Remember in this scripture, he says, You will not taste death until you see the kingdom of God has what? Has come. Everybody say come. Come. You will not taste death until you see that the kingdom of God has come. And not only does it just come, it comes in power. Then he said in Acts, he says the Holy Spirit's going to give you that power, and then you'll be my witnesses. I hope you're seeing the connection here. Now look at when the Holy Spirit came. When the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. There seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with what? The Holy Spirit and began to speak in what? Other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So how did they know How did they know the power of God had come in the kingdom of God? How did they know it had happened? They saw the fire and they heard the tongues. Tongue simply means new languages. They had not learned these languages. They were speaking in languages that they had not learned, either from the earth or from heaven. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, or rather 1 Corinthians chapter 13. How many have ever heard this at a wedding before? um, Where there is tongues, it will cease. Have you ever heard that? That's out of that famous passage, isn't it? That's talking about this. Where there are tongues, it will cease. Right now upon the earth, we are to have the gift of tongues for the preaching of the gospel. You guys remember this love passage? If I speak in the tongues of men of angels but do not have love, I'm only resounding gong. You guys heard that, right? And then here, love is patient, love is kind. It does not keep no records of wrongs. And then you look right here, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be distilled. Does everybody get that? Does everybody get that up there? This is a spiritual gift that comes upon the church. It is to show the kingdom of God has come. It is the gift of tongues. Learning and speaking languages of heaven. Not learning them in an earthly way but in a way that God can use to speak through us. Now, look at this right here. This is all about 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. But I want you to see just Paul talking. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he say. For if I pray in my tongue, my spirit prays. When I pray in a tongue, what prays? My spirit prays. But my my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I shall pray with my, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my, And I will also sing with my understanding. So where God brings his kingdom power is to our spirit. How do I know that I've received it? How do I know I can see It's by speaking in other tongues and languages that I have not learned. And then you you see this as it continues on. He talks about the tongues of God and all of these things that happen. Look right here. Um, Rather, looking back up, you can go through this when you have time. But look at what he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels. See, are the tongues of angels, the languages of angels, the same, as, the same as the tongues of men? No, it says if I speak in tongues of men or of angels. Do you think angels are in heaven going around going, que paso? how are you doing? They speak a spiritual language. Didn't Paul say here? That when the person prays in tongues, they are praying with their spirit. What are angels? Are they made of flesh or spirit? So what kind of language do they have? An understanding, earthly language or a spiritual language? So now go back to our passage right here. I want you to understand three things about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember, this is what Jesus said. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There is a baptism of water, and there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, this is what John was doing, baptizing you in water. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. When he comes on you, you will receive power. In Acts chapter 2, they saw the tongues of fire on their head. You know, know, the, the, the flames of fire look like a tongue like that. They wag around. They heard the wind, and they began to speak in other languages. Now, here are some things I want you to understand. Number one, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's after salvation. You do not speak in tongues or get baptized in the Holy Spirit to become a Christian. This is what happens after you're born again. Jesus said you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So how do I see the kingdom of God? First, I'm born again. Then I can be baptized in the Spirit. I have a whole separate sermon, whole separate notes. You can go in depth. Born and baptized of the Holy Spirit. So if I'm not baptized in the Holy Spirit, am I still born of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Can I still go to heaven without being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes, because aren't a lot of you not baptized in the Holy Spirit? Are you going to heaven? Yes, because you're Born again. What does it mean to be born again? Confess Jesus as your Lord, to have a new spiritual life. But the question is, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Have you been given the power of God to see the kingdom of God? So that's the first thing. You have to know it's a separate thing. The next thing is not only is it separate from salvation, it is separate from baptism in water. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Sometimes people get it confused. They think when they were baptized in water, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's not true. When you're baptized in water, that is a symbol of your salvation. That is a symbol of what happened. So think about it. You go into the water, you're dry. You make your confession of faith. I believe in Jesus. You're buried. You're dunked down, and you come up soaking wet. What does that symbolize? Being a sinner and being born again. Dying to your old life, excuse me, and living your new life. How many say baptism? How many can say baptism is a symbol? Communion is a symbol. When you took communion today, did you eat the real body and blood of Jesus? That's what Roman Catholics believe. Transubstantiation, it's a big word, but it simply means something really gross. That when the priest prays, that's why he has to hold it and feed it to you like a little bird. Mm-hmm. They literally believe it becomes the body and blood of Jesus. Jesus did not teach that. Jesus said it like this Do this at the Last Supper. He said, Do this in remembrance of me. It's in remembrance of Him. The same thing is in Romans, Paul said about bapti- baptism that the baptism shows the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as you have died, buried your old self, and rose to a new life. That is a symbol. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a symbol. It is not the same thing as baptism in water. It is an actual event. Just as you are born again of the Spirit, made a new creation, when you are baptized in the Spirit, you are given the power of God with the evidence or the sign of speaking in other tongues, tongues of angels, languages that you have not learned. Peter, at the end of Acts chapter 2 They were speaking in tongues, just so you can see the context, so you don't think I'm making up anything. So they're speaking in tongues. They eventually make their way out to the street. So imagine right now we all get filled with the Holy Spirit, and we've never done it before, no one's ever done it. We're excited. Boom, shakalaka, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. ba, 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 ba. we are speaking in languages. You run out to the streets. Hallelujah. Praise God. And now imagine a carnival going by or a parade. This was during the time of, of uh, Pentecost. There's a big festival going on. You would draw a crowd. The people came to them, made fun of them, and said they had too much wine. You see, if you come to a church like us, you would think people might be drunk. Because you ever been around a drunk person, they just kind of babble and just kind of say things like this, you know. You see, that's what a drunk person does. And so a person speaking in another language, you might think they're drunk, especially if they're crying, weeping, falling down, being loud. Drunk people are loud. Are you listening? Ain't no high like the most high. I'm still I'm, I'm still addicted. I'm just addicted to Jesus. Now watch this here. They say, you're drunk. Something's crazy. no. This is what Peter says at the beginning of his message. He says, these people aren't drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on how many people? All people. Your sons and daughters will what? Prophesy. Young men will see what? Visions. Your old men will see or dream dreams. I will pour out my spirit. They'll prophesy. I'll show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below. And then it gets really bad towards the end. You see, we see the moon turn to blood. People thought that was last week. No, when this moon turns to blood before Jesus comes back, the sun will also be darkened into Australia. So while we were seeing a blood moon here, Australia still had their sun. You understand they're a different part of the hemisphere. But next time when it happened, or not next time, but when God's judgment comes, blood moon, very similar to what we saw last week, but their sun will be black as well. Everything pitch black, everything going crazy, Jesus is coming back. But now until then, we are to be these spirit-filled men and women going out and prophesying, doing the things of God. So at the end of this message, Peter says to them, or rather the people say to Peter, they get so convicted because they are very impressed with what's going on now. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? We hear you talking about this, the power of God. We're seeing it. We think it's crazy. Now look at what Peter says. Repent and be baptized. Right? Repent and be baptized. You first got to get saved. Be born of the Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, as it says in another place. But right here, you'll receive So repent, baptize, gift of the Holy Spirit. I get saved, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some might say, well, this crazy stuff was only for the first disciples. We're not supposed to do that. No, Peter goes on and says, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all all whom the Lord our God will call. Now look at what Peter says here. This is so for us. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Am I not pleading with you and are not Christians pleading the same plea today? We're saying the same thing. Save yourself from this wicked generation by coming to Christ and receiving power. And the Bible says 3,000 people accepted that message that day. They were saved. They were baptized in water, and we can assume they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So what is it we're learning? Is that, number one, the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes after salvation. It's different than the baptism of water. And then lastly, we see it's for everyone at all times. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord is saved can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I have gone through the a book of Acts, and I have shown every single one of the instances where the Holy Spirit is poured out. Acts chapter 2, we have just read about, oops, Acts Acts chapter 2, where is that at? Did I just lose my sermon here? Give me a second, I'll find it. I went through Acts, uh, the whole book of Acts to show you what the Holy Spirit looks like when it's pouring out and coming down. Here are just how to get there, by the way, on the website. See how easy that was? Wasn't that cool? Now look at this right here. Look at this chart here. You've read Acts chapter 2 with me. When the baptism of the Holy Spirit came... What are the evidence the kingdom of God was with them? They spoke in tongues, and then they had wind and fire, right? The next time is in Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 46, where they're at Cornelius' house, a Roman centurion. They begin to speak in other tongues, but this time they also praise God. So, ba-ba-ba-ba, I'm speaking in a new language, and then they're like, thank you, Jesus. Ba-ba-ba-ba, thank you, Jesus. The next time that we see is Acts chapter 19, verse 6. This is with John the Baptist's disciples. Paul runs into them and says, hey, have you guys been baptized in Jesus' name? They said, no, we were only baptized when John was doing his thing. So they never were rebaptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So Paul says, okay, get rebaptized, and then have you received the Holy Spirit? And, and got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they go, we didn't even hear of such a Holy Spirit yet. And so then they get filled with the Holy Spirit. You can turn there, Acts 19, that, just so you guys can trust me. Turn to Acts 19, 6, so you don't think I'm making this up. And then it says, they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. Remember Peter said, they will prophesy. They will see visions. They will dream dreams. Speaking in tongues, it's all together. But as you see from that pattern that I'm showing you, what is the one thing that happens in every instance? They speak in what? Tongues. Now this is why the largest Pentecostal denominations in the world, like the Assemblies of God, like the Church of God in Christ, Foursquare, etc., and our church as a non-denominational church, all believe the evidence is speaking in other tongues. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But it's just so you can trust me in my chart. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied there was about 12 men in all. Was I telling you the truth? How many believe me? I ain't got no reason to lie. Why would I lie to you, right? So going back to this, tongues, prophecy. You go through each one of these, you'll see the same thing. I don't have time to get to Acts uh, 8, 13 through 19. That's awesome, but I just don't have time to get into it. But these are the ones where it's talked about. So where do I see the one consistent thing that happens every time the Holy Spirit comes on the Christians? What happens? They speak in. So what should I expect to do if the Holy Spirit comes upon me? I should speak in tongues. See, now right at this point, you might have some questions. That's why I got uh, some questions and answers for you guys because you might be thinking you guys are crazy. You guys speak in tongues at that church. What's wrong with you? Well, the first thing that I want you to understand is Peter spoke in tongues. John spoke in tongues. Paul spoke in tongues. As a matter of fact, can I just blow your mind right here? Where are we at? Um, let me just blow your mind. Paul says I speak in tongues more than all of you. So, tongue, so not only did Paul like speaking in tongues, he spoke in tongues all the time. And not only that, but he told people not to forbid speaking in tongues. So some of you may say, hey, you know what? Uh, I don't think we should be able to speak in tongues in church. That stuff's crazy. Look what Paul said here, First Corinthians 14, 39. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. And do not forbid what? Speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. You were at church today. You you've probably heard somebody speak in tongues over the microphone or another time you were here. Was it done in an orderly way? Yeah, no chaos here. Nobody running around the building screaming. I mean, I'm not against that. Maybe God could do that, but, if, you know, you want to think you're weird a little bit. But it's done in an orderly way. But what does he say to do? Not forbid speaking in tongues. So if you go to a church that says don't speak in tongues around here, that's not right. you got to say you're against what Paul's talking about. Paul said, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Isn't that pretty awesome? How many think that's pretty cool? Yep. And then look right here. Look what Paul said about speaking in tongues. Paul said over here, and you can read the whole, I have a whole entire sermon series on verse by verse through here. Because some people didn't think uh, that I understood it, and I wanted to show them I understand it quite well. I went verse by verse. It's called the Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit series. I went through a whole series on the Holy Spirit. Look right here. Verse 18, what does Paul say? He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Do you know that Paul who wrote three-fourths of the New Testament spoke in tongues just like how I speak in tongues? But he did more than most of everybody else. So should you be afraid of speaking in tongues? Peter spoke in tongues. Paul spoke in tongues. And you can see the reasons why. But let me ask you, uh, I'll tell you now, but let let me answer some of these questions you may have. Number one, you may say, Pastor, let's say I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but is it for today? Yes, I've showed you. Acts 2, 38, Peter said, it's for your, ch- it's for you, your children, and for as many as call upon the Lord, even those who are far off. Number two, you may say, well, how do I know I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because some people say, well, I think I've got that. You know, I think I did. That was like a shot. Was that like an immune thing? Like, I think I got immune from the flu, or I think I took my, my Holy Ghost shot. No, it, chances are, if you don't know if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're not. It's not an accident, okay? So how do you know? You know because you'll speak in unlearned languages. You will hear the sound of heaven in you. Now, that once again, all of this presupposes a whole lot of things in the kingdom that you have to be privy to. Number one, you've got to believe in a God. Number two, you've got to believe that God can make your spirit new and speak to your spirit. And then number three, you've got to believe that there are languages other than the languages of, hev- uh, of earth that are in heaven. You see what I'm saying? If you don't believe any of that, this is all weird to you, and then you've got to explain all these miracles we're seeing The people who believe in this. Because you may say, I don't believe in that. You're crazy. The difference between me and you is, I've seen miracles. What have you seen? And I'll show you a few here in just a minute. The next thing that people like to ask a lot is, what, what if I don't think speaking in tongues is for me? You know, pastor, that's great. Maybe that's in the Bible. But I just don't think that's for me. Well, number one, don't be ignorant. Don't be uninformed. Study the Bible. 1 Corinthians 12.1 teaches that the gifts are for everybody. Looking back here, look at what it says in 1 Corinthians also 14. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries in the Spirit. When I speak in tongues, does anybody understand me? No, but I'm uttering mysteries by the what? Should I eagerly desire to do this? Yes, and especially to also do what? Prophesy. Prophesy is to hear what heaven is saying and to speak it out. Be honest with me right now. How many of you did not even know these verses were in your Bible? Raise your hand. If you didn't even know these verses were here, tongues, prophecy, and all of this. Okay, let's be honest. You're learning something. You see, this stuff's in the Bible. I didn't make it up. Now you've got to explain it. If you don't trust me, you have to explain it. What do you think that means? What do you think that means? I've had people try to say, well, this just means that he could speak other languages, like, you know, he could speak Greek and Aramaic and Latin. No, no, no. If I could speak another language that I had learned and taught myself, I would understand what I'm saying. But no, when I'm speaking in a spiritual language, a.k.a. a language of heaven, nobody understands me, not only, not on, not, not only them, but not, uh, uh, not even myself. Thank you, not even myself because I'm uh, uttering mysteries. So look at this here. What if I don't think the gifts of the Spirit are for me? That's ignorance. Jesus said he wants you to have the power. Now, if you don't want to have the power, that's rebellion. That's rebellion. So God commanded you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He commanded the disciples to wait for it to come, and now he commands us to do it. Can I show you another passage of the Bible? Somebody say, preach it. I'm going to be closing out here, but thank you for your patience. You guys come to this church, obviously, because you love the preaching and all that we do here. So I hope that I can just uh, use a little bit of my extra time here with you. So here's Jesus talking right here. He says, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. You see, whoever believes and baptized, saved. It's not the same thing. It's a different thing than what we're talking about. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now it says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will what? Drive out demons, they will what? That's what Jesus said. They will drive out demons, speak in new tongues. Now watch this. They will pick up snakes with their hands. When they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. And lastly, they will place their hands upon the sick and they will get well. This part right here has caused people in the Appalachian Mountains to want to get vipers and snakes and start snake handling and drinking uh, poison. He didn't say they would willingly take poison and willingly go find a snake. What it says is, if they do it, in the act of it happening to them, being poison or a snake, it will not kill them. We have stories in the Bible, just like I've had stories in my life that I'll tell here about, Oh, well, you guys heard it, about the traffic time that we become invincible to the powers of Satan or the powers of this world. There's a story in the Bible where a a snake bit Paul. It was a deadly snake. He shook it off. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to die. He doesn't die. He keeps preaching. They then think he's a god, and they start worshiping him. But then he says, no, 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 no. I have power to survive because God is with me. They also say in church history that they tried to poison John. They gave John poison. They gave it to him to drink, and he drank it, John the Apostle, and the poison did not kill him. That is what it means. And I have stories of missionaries. You can read about the stories of missionaries where they either tried to kill them, they tried to harm them, and it was not able to happen. My, um, my friend had a gun pulled on him. The guy pulled the trigger, and it would not. Ex- you know, the bullet did not come out, and his life was spared. That's what it's saying. So don't get any confusion about now finding a snake, finding poison, and trying to do that. Don't be ignorant, right? But we are to do these things. Okay, now, going back to our passage here, don't be uninformed. The gifts are given at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so everybody can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, just like everybody's to be baptized in water. And all the gifts then are given to the people baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we don't have time to go through all the spiritual gifts. But tongues is the first one. And Paul wished that everybody would speak in tongues. And Paul said never to forbid speaking in tongues. Now, what is the purpose of speaking in tongues? Here are the seven things written out in the Bible. To have power to be a witness. That's the first thing Jesus said. To glorify God. When they were speaking in tongues, the Bible says in Acts 2, they were glorifying God. It's a sign to an unbeliever. Pretty much a sign to make them think you're crazy. They think you're drunk, but it's a sign to them you are supernaturally behaving, not naturally. Even if it looks drunk to them, it will get their attention to preach the gospel. It will edify you and build you up. Just like the Bible says, you're praying mysteries. You'll intercede for the lost. Romans 8.26 says, go there quickly uh, for me, Steve, and we'll close out in just a moment, uh, and I'll let you watch the video of the demon and some other things. But here's the thing. We have to understand that if this is true, then there's power behind it. For the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God advances through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if the power of the Holy Spirit comes through us speaking in tongues and then all these other gifts, we ought to be expecting them to happen. So look at what he says here. Paul in in Romans 8.26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. When I don't have words to put to the pain or the trouble or the struggles that people are going through in prayer, I'll groan in the Spirit. And the Spirit will be praying through me the things that words can't utter. That's what the Bible says. It's pretty amazing. See, when Paul said, I pray with my understanding, I pray with my spirit, are you just praying with your understanding? Your understanding is, I need a job. I need this. Our country needs that. But have you ever prayed in the Spirit and said, Holy Spirit, you pray what we need. You see everything that I can't see. You pray through me with words I don't understand. That's what it's talking about to intercede for the lost, to pray and sing to God. We also pray and sing in the spirit here, which is really fun. And then lastly, for spiritual warfare. Now, some of you may think at this point, Pastor, I'm not sure that I know that this is for me. Go to Luke chapter 11, verse 11. If you have any doubts, this is the promise that Jesus gave you about the Holy Spirit. He said that if you have any doubts, you never have to be afraid of God giving you an evil spirit. So if you think, Pastor, I don't want to speak in tongues. That looks crazy. It almost looks like you guys are demon possessed, you're a cult, whatever. You don't have to be afraid because if you come in the name of Jesus and ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he won't allow you to have anything bad happen to you, even if I was wrong. I know I'm not wrong, but even if I was wrong, you don't have to fear anything bad happening. Look at what he says here Jesus talking. Which of your fathers of you fathers if your son asked for a fish would give him a snake instead or if he asked for an egg would give him a scorpion. Now watch this. If you then you if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the holy spirit to those who ask him. So if I come to Jesus asking for the holy spirit, is he going to give me a demon? Is he going to let me become demon-possessed? No. If I oh, if I ever come to Jesus and say, Jesus, give me the Holy Spirit. Baptize with me, Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. If I say any of those things to him about the Holy Spirit, he will never let me receive a bad thing. Even if Joe was wrong, if you're asking for the Holy Spirit, your father, is God your father even if I was wrong? Let's say us Pentecostals, we were wrong. 600 million on the planet right now. 600 million Pentecostals believe exactly the way I believe. Let's say we were all wrong, right? We're 80% of evangelical churches. All over the world, majority of people speak in tongues, 80%. Latin America, the biggest Pentecostal nation is Brazil. Talk to Lada from the first series, service. Lada will tell you about how powerful the church is in Brazil. Speaking in tongues. There are churches of over 100,000 members in her country. Our biggest church in America is 40,000 members. There's a church in South Korea of over 400,000 members. The church around the world. I'm going to show you a video here in just a minute of over a million people hearing the gospel preached and a man speaking in tongues and the power of God coming. I'm going to show you all this. But listen to me. Let's say we were wrong. You still don't have to. I'm going to talk about Lada right there. Is the church of Brazil on fire? Are there a lot of Pentecostal tongue talkers? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, watch this here. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Let's go here in closing. I'm going to show you now a personal encounter that I've had with God. Now, you have a choice. Everybody here, look up at me. The, the, The next life group is coming. Now, listen, you have a choice. You can think I was lying to you. Now, for you to believe that I have told you something that is not true, that means You have to disprove two things. Everybody look up at me. Everybody look up at me. Please, I love you. Don't take my word for it. But let's be very serious. You have to study my word or take me at my word. Uh, Not take me. You have to test my word. But don't just take it for granted. So here's what I'm saying to you. If you want to disagree with me, you have to disprove two things. You have to disprove the interpretation of the scriptures I have given you. If you think you can do so, talk to me after service. If you've been taught differently in another church, talk to me after service. You have to, number one, disprove the interpretations I've given you because they're in the Bible, speaking in tongues, dreams and visions, interceding, miracles, signs and wonders, demons being cast out. That stuff's in the Bible. Hey, let me ask you, if there were demons 2,000 years ago, do you think there's still demons today? Do you think so? Hello? Hello? So that's the first thing. You have to disprove my interpretation. Give it your best shot. And number two, you have to disprove my 39, just talking about if you're arguing with me, 39 experiences I have documented to you in detail with witnesses. This drunk guy who came to my church and, 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 and slithered like a snake on the floor, and contorted his body, and the demon got cast out, and he instantly became sober, praising God. You have to dis—you have to disprove what Justin Meese and I saw. Tell us another explanation. The mother here, the mother that I took time, I took four hours to write these stories. The mother here who watched her baby daddy get gunned down, because I used to work in the project, watched him get murdered in front of her. Had a spirit of anger and violence and unforgiveness towards that man who murdered her baby's father. We were in a normal service, just like this. I've always been this way. You can watch videos of me years ago. I'm still the same guy. As a matter of fact, the one with the demon video, I look exactly the same. I got a shirt on with jeans button. It's exactly the same. Watch. We're in the service. I had a guest speaker. We're all lined up praying at the altar. This guy's a Baptist. He didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit or any of this stuff. The woman starts screaming in pain, screaming at the top of her lungs. He doesn't know what to do with her. He's used to the black church, ah, I feel Jesus. But this wasn't, ah, I feel Jesus in the black church. This was, ah, like pain. He says, Pastor, help me. That's why now whenever guests come, I stand right behind them. I didn't used to do that. But now whenever guests are praying, you guys have seen me, I just walk with them because I want to make sure I'm there when stuff happens in our people's lives. She starts screaming in pain. I talk to the demon. I say, Why are you there? Jesus talked to the demon. Why are you there? How many are you there? Throw you into the pigs. Okay, we'll throw you into the pigs. No let you on tonight. <laughs> this is the Bible. You all believe the Bible? This is Bible stuff. And I'm not a weird guy, right? I'm not selling you anything. So you can either disprove the con- you can disprove my interpretation, or you gotta disprove these stories. So she's screaming. The demon says, I'm here because of her unforgiveness and bitterness. That's one of the major reasons why people are demon-possessed, is unforgiveness and bitterness. It's a lie of the devil. Get a book by John Bevere called The Bait of Satan. We rebuke the spirits out of her. She becomes in her right mind. She didn't even know what happened. My wife, my wife was brought up in a church. i never seen any of these things. A guy came, sat in the back of our church one day, called up one of our leaders and said, I had to leave early because I started feeling so uncomfortable in your service. A lot of people feel uncomfortable in our services, especially when we get to worship and we get to prayer. It's not just that they're bored. They feel very uncomfortable. They feel very anxious. They feel very itchy sometimes. This guy had to leave. He had to get out. He called up one of our leaders, and he said, something's been wrong with me since I've been in your service. What happened to me? While he's on the phone with one of our leaders, he starts screaming at him guy calls me, I call him back, I get the address, I go over there, my wife's never seen it, we go over there, she's never seen a demon cast out, I go and talk to the guy, he's totally normal, he's just like, I don't know what's going on, I just feel angry on the inside, we just say, okay, let's sit down and pray. The moment I say the word Jesus, he goes into convulsions, he tries to fight me, but then when I said Jesus again, we cast out the evil spirits, and it was because he was molested as a child, and he was so angry and hurt towards his molester, and we told those demons of abuse and anger to leave. These are the things I've seen in my life. So you have to, if you don't believe this now, and you go walk out here, and you just want to go do Halloween trick or treats nonsense, you have to ask yourself, did this man misinterpret the Bible? So go back and study. If you don't believe me, study the Bible. Jesus cast out demons. The apostles cast out demons. They're speaking in tongues. They're prophesying God in heaven. is all around those guys. And then number two, got to disprove a video like I'm going to show you right now. Are you ready for the demon to cast out? Let's cut off the lights and make it even more scarier. So so let me just set this up for you. It's only, it's only weird at the beginning. Let me just set it up for you. It's very, it's very simple. Here I am, t-shirt, jeans. And the reason why I keep saying this is, is because some of you have watched TBN or been to other churches, and, and you get this idea that these guys are playing fake. They may be playing fake. There may be fake dollar bills. doesn't mean there's not a real dollar bill. Hello. I'm in India, got done preaching, just like this. I get ready to start praying. This guy, out of the middle of nowhere, starts screaming in pain, just like it happened with Jesus, screaming in pain. As And I could talk about healings another day. I'm talking all about demon-possessed people. Uh, he's screaming in pain. They, sat, they have to bring him to me. He's screaming. He's on the floor. He's, he's shaking. He's in convulsions. They bring him to me, and this is what happens. This is what happens. He gets set free. In the name of Jesus.
3: In the name of Jesus. That's him screaming. In the name of Jesus. ¡Gracias!
4: But turn down the volume. Just turn down the volume, Steve. Thank you. So, what had happened was I was trying to talk to the demon. Why are you even in this guy? Me and the translator are going back and forth. It just gets confusing. And then the guy starts getting convulsion again. And that's when I grabbed him and I looked in his eyes and I said, Satan, you get out of him right now. I said, Satan, you get out of this man's life right now. And then he got free. Now he's weeping and you're going to see him fall to my feet and try to worship me. Because in this culture, they are demonized and they actually consider it a part of their religion. They worship false gods and that convulsion and a lot of the things they go through is a part of their worship. They actually ask for these things to happen to them, this painful experiences and things they have. But he began to get so set free, God was touching him and then like you'll, you'll watch him because now he thinks that I'm a god, I'm some powerful guru. But I actually have to pick him back up and say, no, no, don't." he's kissing my feet. And I have to say, no, no, don't do that. I'm just serving Jesus. Now here you have to answer the question, my friend. What happened there? Why would a person totally calm in the service, totally calm? He didn't ask for money. He didn't, what does he get out of this? This is not set up. Leave, leave the lights off, please, because I'm going to show another video. The, why would he do that? You read the Bible, right? The man, he was at the tombs, he was naked, out of his mind. When he saw Jesus, he came screaming, and then all of a sudden he falls at Jesus' feet. And Jesus talks to the demons and then casts them out. Why do you think that happens? So you've got to ask yourself, Is is my pastor telling me the truth? I was there. We didn't set this up. There's no show here. There's no money. There's no now send me $100. And, and the reason why I'm saying this is, is because I think your generation, a lot of you young people, have become so skeptical of the supernatural, you don't think that's real. But yet you'll spend $10 on some stupid movie and let it scare you. And I'm telling you, the demons that are trying to scare you in that movie are scared of me when I come around in Jesus' name. See, that's, that, that man was screaming. Why was he screaming? And I've seen it happen nine different times. Not every day. It could happen today. And everybody now in this room would be a witness to it. I have people in this church that have seen it happen. My wife's seen it happen. And you, it's people you wouldn't even suspect. One of our youth services, so youth better be ready. And one of our youth services, we had a young girl. She came up. She needed prayer. Within moments, she tried to fight me. She was saying the F word and cursing at the top of her lungs. People tried to hold her. She was way more violent than that man. They could not hold her. And I had to cast the demons out. What happened to her? These people know her name. I won't even say her name. And that's why I'm trying to spare some of the details. But now I want you to think about this. If God is coming to this earth, what would it look like? What would it look like in Chicago? I want to show you Reinhard Bonnke preaching to a million people in Africa. Remember we showed you that 1040 window? And remember Jesus said that the power of God would come upon this earth and that you would see it before you tasted death? I think this is probably what it would look like.
0: Imagine this happening
4: in Chicago, filling up Grant Park. Just a little bit louder, please.
3: please. And now shout your hallelujah. Listen to them speaking in tongues.
4: Over a million people. Fire, fire, fire. Isn't that what the Bible says it would look
3: like? Now,
4: in closing, what we have to do, in closing, just keep this right here. In closing, yeah, I'm going to pause it here. In closing, this is what we have to do. We have to ask ourselves now, not about disproving, Joe. Let's put that to the side. Ask yourself this question. Are you guys better than these Africans? Why do you think a million Africans went out to their park to hear that preacher speak in tongues and pray for them? Why do you think that's happening there? You know why? Because they're not distracted by their video games. They're not distracted by their 401K. They're in a community of poverty, and they're in a place of false religion, whether it's the ancestral religion that they learned from the culture that they're in or from Islam, and they are so desperate for the power of God. See, are you desperate for the power of God? Would you get break every chain just on the audio? Because I'm going to need the the altar workers to come up here. Altar workers, would you come, please? Let's get ready to close but I want to ask you that. Are you desperate for the power of God? Just turn on the back lights over here as well, gentlemen. Thank you. You see, because they're desperate for God. That's why I don't think I've seen as many miracles in my church as some of my friends in other churches. We have a friend that works in Mozambique, Africa, and she always tells me she's here, she's watching the death here, the blind see. She's seen demons cast out in many of their services. Keep the light off over the altars, please. And I believe it's because... They're desperate. You see, they're willing to do what we're not. The Bible says it's so hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's so hard, it's easier for a camel to walk right into a needle than for the rich to be saved. Do you know who the rich are today? You guys, us. We're rich compared to the third world. I've been to India three times, seen the villages, dirt floors, huts. I've also been to a village in Mexico, Chilapa. Preach there. Same thing. Third world is third world no matter where you are. Nepal, India, Mexico, it all looked the same. The ghettos of New Orleans all look the same. But this is what rich looks like to Jesus. You have money, you have a car, you have a house, you have an education. You're so smart, aren't you? You think you got it all figured out. You don't need what those Africans need, do you? You don't need what that Indian man needed, right? And Jesus says back to us, it's hard for you to get in. It's hard because you think you have everything you need. That's why there's empty chairs here, but not in Africa. If this was an African church, you saw me preaching there in India, they would put 400 people in this place right now if I was in India. In Africa, same thing, 400 people. This place would be packed every service. You know why? Because they can't go to the government for health insurance. There is none. You're sick. It's either God heals you or you die. You're demon-possessed. They don't have mental health. I'm not saying everybody that's mentally ill is demon-possessed, but a lot of them are. I've had over 30 homeless people in my house. A lot of them are demonized from their drugs and their lifestyle. I was demonized for my drugs and my lifestyle, and they don't have the clinic to put them in. I was in the projects and a naked man running through the streets. Naked man in the projects. Hello. Got to cast the devil out. The question is, do you want the power of God? And just turn down that music for a second, because I don't want there to be any manipulation today. Because when I preached, I was going to sit down, but I stood up. Here's the thing. Just turn it all the way off, please. I don't want any manipulation. Here's how we're going to end today's service. So easy. I did in the first as well. No one here is going to be manipulated to come up. Because I'm so sick and tired of people making church fake. I don't want it to be fake. I don't need to fake this. I don't got nothing to prove to you. I, why would, You know what I'm saying? I love you, but I have nothing to prove to you. If you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is what we will do. We'll do what Paul did in Acts 19, lay hands on you, pray for the Holy Spirit, and ask you to speak in other tongues. If you don't want to, you don't have to. So this is what we'll do. We'll pray, dismiss, no extra altar time, none of that. Boom, I know I've kept you long enough. To have a great day, have a great week. And I always say this to people. If you don't like how I preach, go to Armitage Baptist. They're another great church, but they don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. That's fine. Go to another church and have their pastor debate me. I'll meet him right here, Pastor Lyons, and I'll tell him why he's wrong. But I know a lot of Bapticostals, Baptists filled with the Holy Spirit. But I don't want you to stop serving God. You don't want to speak in tongues. You want another good church. Don't stop serving God. Go to a Baptist church, and I hope you find the truth there. You hear my heart? Go to Moody. But if you want a good, Spirit-filled church, start here. You know other Spirit-filled churches? Chicago tab, New Life Covenant, Living Word, Life Changers, all these spirit-filled churches, powerful churches. Now watch. Here's how we're going to do it. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the kingdom. Here's how we'll end. I'm just going to pray. If you want to come up here and pray to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is all they're going to do. Nothing up their sleeve either. It's all they're going to do. They're going to say, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, you baptize them with the Holy Spirit. Just like Paul did, that's it, baptize them with the Holy Spirit. If that's you coming up for prayer, The Holy Spirit's not going to wag your tongue around. He didn't do that to you to get you saved. He's not going to do it to you now. Just listen to your spirit. If you hear, if you know the voice of God, if you hear his voice speaking in another language, speak it out. Now, what if somebody cries? That's okay. People cry in God's presence. Well, somebody laughs. That's okay. People laugh in God's presence. If we opened up this electricity box and had everybody touch it, we would all have different reactions. Some would be like, "Woo!" Others would be like, ah, you know. Sometimes people in churches like this, they fall down. You know why they fall down? Because they can't stand up anymore. That's okay. You want to kneel? You want to stand? You want to run? You want to cry? It doesn't matter. But this is what we're going to do. Just say, Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit. You listen for the Holy Spirit and then speak it out. Those of you who are already filled with the Holy Spirit, stick around to encourage those who are not and just pray in tongues. Let's just pray in tongues like they were in Africa. Amen. In Lagos, Nigeria. Let's just do that. And then if you want to be filled again or to have the gifts of the Spirit stirred up in you, come on up here. We'll pray for that because Ephesians says be filled and continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk off of wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you don't even have to stand. I'm going to pray a prayer dismissal. You can cue up the music for me, Steve. Thank you. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit after I pray, you may come up. Otherwise, don't be, don't feel bad. No condo, bondo here. You are free to do whatever you got to do, even if it's late and you got to go. I understand. Father, we thank you. We have been in a series about the kingdom. We're learning about it. We understand it more now. Lord, we searched your word and we saw clearly that the kingdom would come to the disciples while they were alive. You did that through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You said John baptized in water. You came to baptize in the Holy Spirit. When they received it, they spoke in other tongues. And a lot of other cool things happened, but that was the main thing that happened over and over again. You gave us the Apostle Paul who himself spoke in tongues more than all of us to teach us that we should eagerly desire it and to believe that you could use us with these gifts to change the world. You said that if we seek first your kingdom, being your witness, being your disciple, and your righteousness, you then would add all the other things we need. So the best kind of businessmen are those baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. They are seeking your kingdom, and you're blessing them at their business. The best kind of mothers are those baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, and you blessing them to do the work of a mother. So Lord, let us all receive the free gift and the power that it brings. And I humbly ask that we would all see your kingdom come on this earth and in this earth more than we ever have before. In Jesus' name, and can everybody say amen. Would you bless them with me one more time? Praise God. You are dismissed. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. If you need prayer for the baptism, Steve's turn it up. Come on up and join us if you need prayer for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, put it up just a little bit louder for me, please. There is power today. There is power today in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, those already baptized in the Holy Spirit, sticking around for the after party, just begin to speak in those unknown languages. Oh la 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 ba ko ta la 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 ba Speak out those mysteries to the Lord. Oh yes, there's God, yes, God, more of Your power. Oh, there is an army rising up in this place. An army rising, up. rising. Oh, just a little bit louder, Steve. Help me sing to it. Come on. Maybe turn up the monitors for me too, please. Thank you. Come on, those who are filled with the Spirit, just speak in other tongues. Those who are asking for it, just humble yourself. Trust that God's going to give you a good gift today. Thank you, sir. Perfect. Rising up. Oh, there's an army of Holy Ghost filled disciples rising up. Rising up. Fill your people, Lord. Fill your people, God. Rising up. Oh, na 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 oh. those who are receiving prayer, just listen to the sound of heaven in your heart. You'll hear it just like I've heard it in many others. Listen to the sound of heaven and just pray out whatever you hear in your heart.
3: Yes, yes, hallelujah, Jesus,
4: Jesus, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. There is power in the name of Jesus. Jesus fuego. fuego 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 en el nombre Jesus Jesucristo mas espíritu santo mas espíritu santo holy spirit you can turn down the monitors now, sir. Thank you. But just keep it on repeat. Spirit Spirito Santo. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, your power, your power is more than what we could ever imagine. Jesus. Jesus. Steve, the reason why it's making noise is the guitar is on. Turn it down. Hallelujah. Thank you. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, hallelujah,
3: robokota, reba ba 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 ke chodoba robokota. How in the name of Jesus. Break every chain, break every chain. Hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. God, we
4: believe in you today. We believe in you today. Those who are here, pray for a miracle that you need in your life, in this atmosphere of faith. Pray and believe today. Pray and believe for that lost loved one to come home. Pray that God will give you words of wisdom and knowledge and prophecy for the lost, just like Jesus had for the woman at the well. Use us, God. Jesus, Jesus, and you can just turn it down, sir. Thank you, just a little bit. Turn it down. There we go. Come on. I see my sister here being refreshed. Jesus, 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 refresh us all today, God. Give us more of Your Spirit, Jovan and uh, Andrea. Wants you come up. Any other people want to be refreshed? Carmen, why don't you come up? We'll believe for a healing today. We're just going to pray for God to give us more. Amen, Mosley family. We're just going to pray for more. For our dear sister here, Susanna, God's blessing you. God is blessing you. The electricity of the Spirit is touching our sister. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, turn up my mic a little bit, please. If you got to sit down, we'll pray for you. You need a healing as well. Just a little sword. I preached too long. Turn up the mic a little bit, please. Come and stand right here. Steve, you I'm sorry, I just got to do a little technical difficulty. See, you're, you're pulling up everything at the same time. So don't touch the uh, orange button. Just touch my microphone. Yep, and then just turn down the music just a little bit. Come stand next to them right here. Don't even stand next to them. We're all just going to pray together for more. Come stand over here. Nancy, stand next to this sister right here. She's being touched by God. In our own way, let's just focus on heaven. Rather, we're raising our hand, closing our eyes, whatever it is, and just say, more, Lord. Hallelujah. More, Father. More, Jesus. More of your love. More of your power. Mas Espirito Santo. Mas Espirito Santo. Gracias, Señor, for what you're doing in her life today. The power of God is here. More, God, in Carmen's life. Bring your kingdom in her heart right now. Fill her, God. Fill her, Jesus. Heal her body, Lord. Lord, I pray for the Mosley family more, Lord. More of your power, God. Baptize them again afresh and anew. God, they've been burned out. They've been hurt. They've been used and abused in church, God. They just want your power, God. They don't want the fake, God. They just want you. I pray you fill them again, God. Give them dreams and visions again, oh God. Give them the joy of serving you again, God. Give them energy, God. Joy and energy, God. Oh, even for Tony, God. Bless him as he serves you. He's expecting his first son, God. Fill him, Lord. Pour out your spirit, God. More, God, as he starts counseling, as he starts pouring out to others, give him more, God. Susanna, God, as she's just new to all of this, show her, God, it's not strange in the sense of being supernatural because supernatural things are not like the natural things. Natural things have a have a have an expiration date and they they have a um, have a you know just a limited nature but God you're so beyond our own imagination so i pray that susanna will open her heart up trust you more and more and see she has nothing to lose nothing to lose but everything to gain oh god come on those of us baptized in the holy spirit let's just pray a few more moments oh rabakandololobokoba La telelalaba <inaudible> the mysteries of heaven Some of you may be praying for lost loved ones that you don't even know how to pray for. You may be interceding for them. You may be doing spiritual warfare. You don't know, but you trust God, right? You can pray and ask sometimes. Sometimes I say, God, what am I praying for in tongues? You know, maybe he'll tell you. Others of you, you may be praying for yourself. The Bible says edifying yourself. Many times when I pray in tongues, I edify myself. I feel like I'm doing spiritual workout. Have you noticed that, those who have walked with the Lord for a while? When you pray in tongues, you just sense a lightness in your spirit. Now imagine this. I was doing this one day, in a prayer meeting, and a guy from India said, I understand you. Isn't that something? That was a miracle. Just like in the time of the apostles, sometimes they could understand them. Maybe they do. Sometimes they don't. But the Bible says, even if you don't understand yourself, that doesn't matter. You're praying mysteries. The languages of heaven. A few more moments. It may sound silly to me, but doesn't every other language sound silly to the person who doesn't understand? You ever heard Chinese? You ever heard Swahili? Come on. It sounds silly if you don't understand, but see, we're trusting our spirit. More, Jesus. More. More. We have nothing to fear, we're not afraid. We're not afraid. We're in in the Spirit. Now watch. Let us just do an exercise of our faith right now. Let's all do an exercise. Let's not even take it weird.